Hey everyone and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast. I'm Bianca, I'm here with my co-host Nick and we are so excited to be welcoming the team from 1634 Meadery from here in Ipswich, Massachusetts, right down the street from home. So if you guys could get us started by introducing yourselves and telling us how you got into this business, uh, I think we'd all love to hear a little bit about your backgrounds. Okay, um, I'm, uh, my name is Dan Clapp and this is my wife Deb that's with us. Say hi Deb. Hello. <laughs> um, we started the business uh, actually six years ago this weekend, so it's our sixth it's anniversary. Our Congratulations. Um, Congrats. We're really excited about that. We have a new meeting we can tell you about as well uh, that we're releasing in honor of our sixth anniversary. But uh, um, So let's see. Yeah, so um, uh, after making, let's see. So Deb, where do you want to start? We want to start by our, you want to tell our story well, about where we we, we disagree on a couple of the facts, but we'll give them to you as we both see them. So basically, Dan and I uh, have always brewed beer, and that was something uh, in grad school, just out of necessity, because we had no money. And uh, Dan kind of wandered into the wine, you know, kind of forging into the wine things. And then there was a time when this man had a midlife crisis. <laughs> so he had been doing some computer uh, consulting, doing hardware and software design uh, for a company, and then kind of went off on his own. But he, there was just one day that he was sitting at the computer looking very lost, and I said, you know, what's wrong? And he goes, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And he says, I think I want to start a meadery. So we'll kind of go back in time to tell you how mead came to be. So uh, it was about eight, going on 18 years now. Um, I went on a uh, trip with some cousins uh, over to Denmark to trace uh, one branch of our family, um, the Helms family uh, who uh, had come from, from Denmark. And when I was over there uh, and I, end up leaving my wife at home with my two infant daughters. Infant uh, daughters. We have twins. Twin, uh, twin girls. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were less than a year old. And I, my aunt was going to pay for this trip. So I had to, you know, I had to take advantage of that. So I did end up leaving my wife. And, uh, and I, remember, I remember that phone call. And I said, wait, you're going where? <laughs> <laughs> that was not fun. <laughs> uh, and uh, so uh, after doing all the genealogy, Trip and spending spending seven days over there, we were about ready to head back, and I said, "Oh, I better bring back something for my wife, because she's going to be mad <laughs> otherwise." And uh, so we were in a uh, Viking museum at the time, and uh, I saw this bottle of mead sitting on the uh, on the on the shelf, and this is it. I don't know if the video people could see this, but it's a it's a clay bottle. It's actually a company called Danksmead, um, which uh, Danish mead. And um, I picked this up and I brought it back home with me. And um, I presented it to my wife and her answer was, well, let's put this in the liquor cabinet because I'm still breastfeeding. So <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> but <laughs> go buy two more years. Thanks. So all the time went by, we kind of forgot about the need for back in the liquor cabinet. And um, we were at a dinner party and we went and ran out of wine or beer or something like that. And I was going, going through the back of the closet going, hey, what's this? Oh yeah, it's that bottle of meat I brought back. Brought, uh, brought it up, broke it open, and uh, passed it around, and everybody had Amazing. it. And said, and said, wow, this stuff's really good. And I said, well, I kind of know what meat is, but how is this made? And I saw it was fermented, and uh, loving to make beer and wine, and, and like to tinker as an engineer, I said, I can make this. And I started making mead. And, well, um, this mead wasn't good in the beginning, however. <laughs> so Dan, Dan is uh, always living to learn, which is great. He has passion for it. And he would uh, churn out, you know, literally gallons of mead. And we have a very social neighborhood and people would come over and be like, try this, try this. And you can you know, give people little samples or big samples, depending. 
And uh, the women in our neighborhood all were like, oh, this smells like a used sponge, or this is like old socks. We're like, get that away from us. And the guys were like, no, it tastes great. <laughs> so I he, thought they were all good, personally. <laughs> but he did get very good in those 18 years. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, do you have any questions at this point, or are we going, are we going at a good pace here? So. Oh, yeah, keep going if you guys have more. Um, one thing that I find funny, so to kind of lead us into your products your meads uh i have one here it's called viking victory so is that sort of the first one that spawned it off or is that just an homage to that first bottle from the viking gift shop it's more of that yeah I, you know definitely uh, if you come to the meter you're going to see a, a little bit of a theme here uh history uh vikings and medieval as you can see by so are you like <laughs> i'm a big history nerd and i got excited when i saw this because vikings are like in my favorite and they're i think they're kind of popular in pop culture and everything in the moment but uh whenever we have anything that ties back to history and we've talked to a couple of other meteries but no one really had that connection that i was like oh mead vikings perfect yeah absolutely and and so if you back look at the history of mead and start digging into it uh the vikings were known to drink it but a lot of that lore comes from uh one of the earliest written uh down stories beowulf which I'm sure you know everybody read back in middle school or whatever. School, yeah. And if you look at that closely, they mentioned mead halls, and their and the, and the characters are always drinking mead. And um, and that you know that was written down what seven or eight hundred nine hundred AD. Uh, and so that's some of the first written records that we have of, of mead. Yeah, but even like the Viking stuff is great. We do get a lot of um, customers and tourists coming in to see us because of that link, which is awesome. But you'll notice that um, on the labels, we also try to do the history. So we're also history nerds, and we love to tell the stories specifically of Ipswich. We have several that are um, based on historical stories, but the Viking victory has the stories of Vikings and what they used to do. So I don't know where we where. Oh, where I, I can tell you this. <laughs> so okay. basically, uh, Dan started making me, he got very good at it. And so again, we're gonna flash back to him sitting at the computer, kind of a loss. And he just says, I think I want to open a meadery. And I was like, huh. So I'm a school teacher. So I definitely like education. And I really like alcohol. So he said, let's do it. <laughs> so with Deb's encouragement, uh, you know, starting a small business, uh, you guys are doing a small business as well. Uh, you know what it's like to kind of uh, jump off the ledge, so to speak, I, you know, quit engineering and um, spent uh, several months with no income and uh, uh, making mead and creating the, the tasting room and, and collecting equipment so we could open up on on a fairly small budget and um, uh, and then April of 2015 is uh, when our uh, you know opening, opening our doors. weekend was uh, and uh, we really hit the ground running there was we had really good local publicity um, we in the early months we got on Chronicle um, the, you know, the local news uh, broadcast magazine uh, we were on North Shore Magazine, so we really got a lot of good early publicity because we were one of the first meteries in the area, and nobody knew what mead was, so it was a kind of an interesting story. And uh, and uh, we haven't looked back. We're just making mead and cranking out new stuff all the time and, and uh, spreading, spreading the word. Spreading the joy of drinking. <laughs> so being in mead specifically, do you find you have to educate a lot of your customers in the various types of stuff? Because it isn't something like... Uh, you know, whiskey, for example, there's some clean common styles like everyone, if you even they might not know what they are, have tried a bunch, but they'll know what bourbon is, what scotch is and what rye is for the most part. Um, and then a lot of others are just, you know, like vodka, vodka. Uh, but meat is it's, you know, it's its own animal altogether. So what's that like? Yeah, so um, so certainly, especially when even in, in the six years we've been open, I think 
uh, I like to use like, like something like 25% of the people, 20, 25% of the people had even heard of me when they came into the tasting room. And uh, over the last six years, that's kind of switched, you know, gone up to about 75%, at least, at least people have heard of me. Uh, not maybe not tried it, but um, so there's certainly been an increase in awareness. There are uh, many more meteries that have opened up in the U.S. It's gone from roughly, um, I think about 10 years ago, there was probably between 50 and 60 meteries in the U.S. And now there's um, 350 to 400. And that kind of fluctuates a bit. So, so, you know, kind of following in the craft uh, beer footsteps and the cideries and stuff like that, uh, but hopefully have our own little small niche. But I, th um, I think the big thing to say here is that the tasting room is imperative because if people can't taste it, we always get the, oh, it's made of honey, it's going to be too sweet. And we're like, it doesn't have to be. You can make sweet meat, but you can make an amazing <laughs> variety of meat. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Re-educating people that have only had meat at a um, you know Renaissance fair where they had uh, really cheap meat that was super sweet. Uh, and uh, showing them that, hey, you can really be creative with this and you can really make some good stuff. Um, and the wide variety of flavors is also just incredible. I mean, even in the samples we, we've given you, well, when we do the tasting, you can see that we go from dry to sweet, we have fruity, we have plain, we have spiced, and you can just do, it, you know, you're, you can just use your imagination to come up with the, the next batch. And so it's really fun to do. Yeah, and it's funny because we have, you know, a lot of people you know, listen who might not be familiar with meat. And a lot of people I talk to in real life, um, they tell me that they've never tried it. But then the ones that have love it and they, they have such great things to say. So it's funny because you have so many people that just haven't tried it yet. And then you have like this group of people who have tried it. And I've never really heard a negative thing about good meat, I should say. <laughs> Not the Renaissance Fair meat. Um. <laughs> I think that's the big distinction there yeah. because I always had that sort of impression to me myself. Like I've tried it a couple times. I'm like, oh, every time I get this, I don't like it. And then we talked to real meteries and I tried different varieties. I'm like, ah, I get it. This is better. <laughs> this isn't what I had before. So yeah, there definitely is a learning curve where people are going to have to understand. It is, it's kind of like getting into, I always equate it to getting into beer when it comes to like hoppiness yeah. versus not because someone can go from drinking a Bud Light and if you hand them a double IPA, they're going to be like, oh, what is this? This is terrible. This isn't beer because it's such a different realm. But if you're accustomed to that and you know how to approach it a little bit better, then you're going to like it or you'll get into liking it. Um, so I'm sure it's very much on the same vein. Yeah, yeah very few times do we have someone who comes in and does a full tasting and not find something they like. I mean, it's fairly rare. Um, and, and that's, that's, what's kind of fun about it. You know, you, people come in, don't know what to expect. They don't know whether it's going to be like a beer or they don't know whether it's going to be like whiskey, you know, that type of thing. And, um, when they go through the tasting and see what, what, what meat can be. And they, I think they, in general, just have a great experience and it's uh, educational and fun and new and different. I think they also like the fact that, um, we're trying to use a lot of the local fruits and local honeys. To us, and as part of our mission statement is to support you know beekeepers and, and local farms. And I think that people kind of like that, like, oh, this these strawberries are from Rainy Farm, or you know, these you know, blackberries have come from Russell Orchards, and that's a really big draw for people too. And from anyone listening right now that isn't watching on YouTube, check out the YouTube video because the bar behind them it looks beautiful and it'll give you sort of the idea of the spectrum of meads that i mean the variety of colors kind of from the top to bottom left to right here there's so many different kinds and varieties that you can just see and that's without even getting into the tasting yet there it's just it's 
immense. Like there's so many of them. So definitely uh, worth checking out the YouTube if you're just giving it a listen. And we touched on this a little bit when I was there um, picking out the bottles. Have you taken a stab at you making your own honey and how did that experience go? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so um, a few years ago, I had this great uh, idea of, um, wouldn't it be fun to have a demonstration hive in the meadery? You know, uh, so, you know, we have, we have good tours. We tell people you know, how to make mead, where the mead comes from, help educate them on the bees and some of the bees are having with the colony collapse disorder and uh, some of the, make them more, more aware of that stuff. And so uh, my father actually helped, helped, helped build a, a demonstration hive and um, uh, couldn't decide where to put it, but we ended up putting it on the side of the garage and put a pipe out to the front and that was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool, it was but cool. it was scary. <laughs> but the, uh, but what happens is every time it got hot, the sun came around in the afternoon, the, the bees would start uh, bearding out, out in front of the meadery. And that would freak uh, people out. Freak people out. So, <laughs> so we ended up uh, doing it, uh, uh, closing off the hive during the day and taking the hive home so it worked good. But the, so that, that started my foray into uh, a little bit of beekeeping where, um, I have just enough hives to uh, sell some of my own honey here at the meadery. Um, so if you want some, you know, real local, as local as you can get honey, uh, we make it. But uh, I'm not a very good beekeeper yet. Uh, I keep trying to learn. Uh, it's I find out it's very difficult to get the hives through the winter. Um, and he's very good at getting stung, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so it's it's an art of, uh, and an effort to to take care of the bees and keep them healthy. And um, I haven't figured that out quite yet, but I have two hives at home, and this is the year that I'm gonna get them through the winter. So I'm, I'm real excited about that. You're gonna that. do it, I have faith. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and have you tried to use any of your own honey in your meads yet, or are you still using honey from other sources? Uh, so uh, we went through, uh, I, I haven't calculated recently, but roughly 9,000 pounds of honey um, last year. So it's you know, so, more than an average backyard beekeeper. I need somebody taking care of bees. You can time. make a super exclusive small batch. Well, well there, so, you have some coming out. Right? Yeah. So actually, uh, we have some aging away. We have, we have, we're going to have what what's called my backyard series. Um, so we have two meads. We have a piment, which is a piment's a term for mead with grapes. So it's a combination of a wine and a grape. So you, you, you take the grape juice, add honey to it, and then ferment it. So it's a High octane, um, you know, grape wine, basically with uh, you know with, with honey, and uh, that's called climate. And then uh, we also have a backyard sizer, which and sizer is an apple mead. So um, and that's from my own. So and all those is from my own apples and grapes and honey uh, in our backyard. So uh, we're we're gonna it's gonna be a limited release. Very limited. <laughs> Very <It's gonna> good. <laughs> but uh, yes, so this that's as far as I've gone about making making my own uh, honey and need from that so on that note bianca do you want to get into doing some tastings definitely um, so i we touched we did mention before but for everyone who's listening do you want to just run through the ones that you have nick we can put them all out there and then we can go through them one by one yep and then i also want you guys to tell us the best way for us to approach the tasting just as you would someone in the tasting room because i know okay. you know when tasting anything there's certain uh, you shouldn't start with the strongest stuff, for example, because it's, it's hard to go backwards. So you guys let us know the progress we should take to actually taste each of these. Okay. Um, so I have to start the Viking Victory and the Raspberry Delight. Bianca, what do you have over there? 
And I have Bewitched in the Orchard and the Devil's Footprint. So we have a good mix here. Okay, so, um, so what we normally do in the tasting room is we have people go from the drier end of the spectrum up to a little bit sweeter. And um, uh, Yaki, you have, the, um, you have this, the drier end of the spectrum and Nick, you've gotten the, uh, towards the, end, the other end of the spectrum. Um, not super sweet, but they're up towards our sweeter end. So um, I would recommend starting with the Devil's Footprint. Um, so, yeah, we're going to join you. So we always like sampling meat, so this is good. Um, so this one is made with um, blackberries, raspberries, and blueberries, and local wildflower honey. And most people are a little bit surprised about this one because it, it's dry, right? So you, you, if you, uh, during the fermentation process, you choose a yeast and a honey to water ratio and target a sweetness. So if you ferment all that sugar out of the uh, honey, you can end up making the, the meat dry. And that this is a good example of that. So you're going to so get- Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Ooh, I feel bad. You don't have any. Sorry, That's fine. I'm coming up. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> so this one has a little bit of a, um, a, a wine feel to it. It's because um, of the tannins and the berries come across a little bit like you might get from tannins from a, a grape skin. What do you think? It has a really interesting flavor. I like it a lot. It's um, I can definitely see the, like the wine aspect of that, like how, how you just mentioned it. Um, it definitely does kind of feel like that going down, but it has really interesting flavor. It's definitely unique to the other ones that I've tried. I love the berry forward flavor. I think that's really nice. I also, uh, Nick knows, I love anything fruity. I love everything sour. So it's nice to have the little berry note to that one. It's it's nice, and it's a it's a very nice looking um, nice looking in the glass. <laughs> so also being on the drier end of the spectrum and being uh, more similar to maybe some other styles of wine, Bianca, do you see any similarity to that between any? Bianca's kind of our little resident wine expert here. So do you have any similarity to any varietals of wine that you think that's most similar to to give people a reference point that don't have it to try it? I don't know. I mean, I, I think the biggest difference for me when tasting meads and tasting wines is that mead has that texture that it's thicker and it, it coats your tongue a little bit more. It's a lot smoother um, in its own way. I guess it depends on the wine you're drinking. Um, but it's it's hard to make that comparison. I think it's it's more about the way this one feels. I don't think it's, I don't know, Nick, maybe maybe like a, a drier rosé, I guess, because it has that sweet berry type flavor. Um, but it's definitely not like any wines, that, like wine well, wines. That that's the people come to the tasting room and they'll, they'll um, go, um, I like to drink a, you know, a, a cab. You know, what, what, kind of, what kind of mead would you recommend? Like, mm. And I'm going, uh, <laughs> I, uh, and I usually go, do the tasting. Yeah, because uh, there is, it's really, it is hard to directly compare the mead to the wine. It's its own, its own, own thing, definitely. But this one's kind of fun too, because the Devil's Footprint with all those berries, we have um, a couple restaurants in Essex that are doing this as a cocktail in the summertime. So they make this into a mule, which is kind of fun. So yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I, I will also say for anybody who is watching, I'll hold the bottle up. Uh, oh, I love, love the label. I had this out when I first came home with the, well, I had all of them out when I first got home. Uh, and we happened to have a couple friends coming over that night and they immediately looked at the bottle and was like, what is that? 
I got to try that. What is that? Um, and they had never had meat before, so they loved it. And they actually went out and bought a bottle. I guess their local store must have had it. Um, so it's just funny. So for everybody who's listening, check out the bottles. They're, the labels are very cool. Great for the bar cart. On the label, do you, you mentioned having uh, sort of the historical stories, and a lot of them are tied to Ipswich. Can you give us, when we're going through these, kind of the story, the gist of the story that's on each of the bottles? Sure. Yep. So all, all these, uh, well, not all these, most of these have some yeah. uh, relationship to some some historical significance. Uh, this one actually happens to be uh, an Ipswich story about the, the, church, the first church of Ipswich, which is at the top of the hill in the center of town. In um, 1740, there was a traveling preacher going through giving a sermon, and there was literally hundreds of people up listening to him give a sermon, at, uh, uh, and he was preaching at, um, against the devil, and um, I guess he was getting pretty vigorous in his preaching because the devil happened to show up mm, at the church and didn't like what was being said about him, and um, what happened, I guess, is what the tale is that the, uh, a, um, the, a wrestling match ensued where they priest and the and the, I was a preacher 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 preacher, preacher I guess preacher uh, and the devil were going at it they chased each other around the pews a few times and the uh, and the argument worked its way up to the top of the steeple and at the top of the steeple the, the um, preacher knocked the devil off the top and when the devil landed on the rocks below his feet hit the ground his hoofs hit the ground sparks. a bunch of sparks flew up and he left an imprint of his footprints in the rocks and uh, and you can still find them day yes so you bianca if you haven't had that that chance to do that we can help you <laughs> i haven't but i'm definitely yeah, every, going every to spring, somebody goes with spray paint circles them on the rock so you can't miss them <laughs> so that's that's the story of the devil's book very cool so what do we have next for tasting uh so the next are actually fairly similar in um uh in sweetness but i'm going to go with the sizer next um this uh, is an apple meads. A sizer is an old English term for apple meads. So it's basically a combination between a, a hard cider and a mead, if you will. So you take apple cider, add honey to it, and then ferment it. This one happens to be fermented um, uh, kind of to a, an off dry, you know, semi-sweet in the middle, kind of right in the middle. Um, and we age it with some cinnamon. So you're gonna smell this and you're gonna get um, tart apple pie and it probably tastes like a tart apple pie. No, so if you like amazing. apple pie, um, <laughs> It's good. We actually release this in the fall. We will re-release this in the fall because it's a really good fall mead, but it also is a very good summer mead because you can put it in your um, fridge and bring it out chilled. Yeah. And, it's nice and, ice, and so it's nice on ice. So, so let's try so this one also makes a really good ice cream meat float. Mm. Just saying. Sounds good. <laughs> so do you remember the story on this? Yes, it's all about the cultivation of apples in the okay. river. So this, yeah, so so all of our meads have some kind of history on the back. This one is kind of a, a, a North Shore history of, of how apples came across. You know, apple trees were brought across. And I, and I haven't actually looked at this label in quite a while, just because it hasn't been out because it's not fall anymore. But um, we always have fun facts on our meads too. So this one says early settlers called apples winter bananas. Oh. Why? That's what they called it. That is a fun fact. That is a very. Fun that, fact. That's my new word for them. I'm just gonna call them all winter bananas. <laughs> no one's gonna know what I'm talking about, but Alex is gonna be very confused. <laughs> She'll think I'm going crazy. But this one just got such great apple, and I think if you chill this a bit, the apple even comes out more. Or apple if that's the word. So we actually got the apple cider from um uh, I don't know if you guys know are familiar with far from the tree cider down in Salem. Yep. Um they actually um when they get a delivery of cider, 
they share with us. We, we, we take like, you know, 200 gallons out of their 10,000 gallons that they use. So, <laughs> so but we like to work, we, uh, we, we like to work with local farms and, uh, and any local, you know, any local connection we do to tie businesses together. We try to do that. I like this one so much. It's really, really good. That is pretty good. I give that one a thumbs up. Yes, me too. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's the experience of this one. You get that smell that's just so great. I mean, it's like everybody loves the smell of apple pie. So it's like the smell and then the sip of it that follows, and it's just a great package. Just I think that's I could see that being like a, a fantastic fall sip, especially as you've said, especially up here. I mean, we us New Englanders love our apples. So. <laughs> do the apple pie do this? So this is kind of liquid dessert. <laughs> so this is kind of a good lead into the type of meat. So um, the two terms you'll hear is a mellow mel um, style mead, which is a term for uh, fruit mead. And then if you put a spice in it, it's called a, a methaglint. A methaglint is an old Welsh term, which actually means medicinal meat, you know, medicinal mead, but now means spice mead. So uh, you're gonna a lot of times see those spices and we're gonna get up to the Viking Victory, which is a straight up methaglin. And um, spices and mead go very well together and have for uh, you know, thousands, you know, thousand years. <laughs> uh, so it's a fun one. All right, so we're up again. Okay. My turn. Well, no, I think, uh, do you have, Bianca, do you have Bewitched with you? Yeah, one more. Oh, yep. Sorry, Dan. You just keep drinking your water there. <laughs> okay. I didn't Darn. intentionally do this. I didn't realize when I gave them to Nick that those two were, it was like I went completely opposite on him. So yeah, I'll sure, save we, some. We nudge, nudge. <laughs> better. I gave you all those sampler bottles. I better be getting some of those. <laughs> well, they're packed in boxes. That's why he got whole bottles. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so the next one we're going to do is Bewitched. Um, so this is a, a show me, it's called, when it's, it's just honey. So at the most basic level, you can change the flavor of the meat by changing the honey type. Now we use as much local honey as possible. So we don't have as many choices for um, types of honey that you might be if you were in the, down south and, um, or some area where a lot of uh, large agricultural areas can produce a lot more different types of honey. But we do get some clover honey in uh, this, actually clover honey from a small apiary up in Maine. Um, so this is, is just honey, water, and yeast, your basic recipe. Uh, and this is a, my middle sweetness. So this is, if someone comes into the meadery and says, just give me your basic mead, I will point towards this one because it's not too sweet, it's not too dry, and uh, it's a good uh, even keeled honey, I guess you call it, uh, kind of a, people are familiar with. Um, and then the story on this one, bewitched, meaning bee, like in bee bee. <laughs> this really was targeting the Salem uh, mass market because this is all about the Salem witch trials. So Dan has a relative, I don't know how many generations ago, ninth, ninth generation grandmother who was hung. Elizabeth Howe was hung as a witch uh, back in 1692. And so this has a story on the back of that about uh, how the family tie-in. and how That's some crazy history. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But uh, yeah, so this is your basic mead, you know, um, uh, but, but in my, in our, at least from my point of view, it's not one of those overly sweet ones, which will, can, can scare people away. You know, if you, if you start with a, that really super sweet mead and you don't like super sweet, then you might not ever come back. So uh, starting in the middle is a good place. And I think this is a good, easy going mead. Yeah. Um, this does pair well with tea 
Uh, yeah, making this into a hot toddy is really nice. So especially today, it's rainy and cold and nasty here. So I think that's going to come home with us. <laughs> and, we, and we do actually make a version with this mead. Uh, it's called Liberty. It's a, uh, a chamomile lavender. Um, we add that into the, the basic clover honey mead. That sounds great. Yep. So I don't think I've ever made a hot toddy. I'll have to try that. I've never made one either. I've had them. I've definitely gotten them at restaurants, but I've never had one. All right, Nick. So now you're sampling. Next one is the Viking Victory. My favorite name for a meat, also. That's why you got that one, Nick. Yeah. So this is one of our better sellers. It's um. Uh, not not only is it because of the you know cool name and uh, association, but it, it's um, it's a good meat. <laughs> so a classic spice meat, like we mentioned earlier, called a methaglen. Um, it's uh, made with Japanese knotweed honey. So we're changing up the honey type. Well, that, ja that's uh, not the nicest. I mean, it's an invasive species, but I like to say um, the Japanese bamboo honey. <laughs> well, I, it sounds a, nicer. Yeah, I thought that you know the Vikings like to invade places. So <laughs> there you, know, you so go. The, uh, Japanese knotweed is an invasive species, so I think it works all right. And <laughs> it's a dark caramelized honey, and then we age it with nutmeg, cinnamon, allspice, and cloves. So uh, you know, typical. Uh, and this one's uh, a little higher in alcohol. Prices. You didn't even point. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you already had some. No, you were slurping it up. Um, so this one, yeah, it's a little higher alcohol content. We like to say this meat is good for sitting around a campfire and planning your pillaging, which it is. Perfect for that. It is. It good. Wow, that is delicious. So this is starting to get towards our sweeter end of the spectrum. Uh, hopefully the spices and the higher alcohol content you know kind of balance that a little bit so it's, it's definitely definitely sweet and um to like you said you said there's nutmeg and stuff i definitely get that almost sort of like that winter spice profile like that fall winter from mostly the nutmeg probably uh but yeah. very delicious uh definitely not overly sweet it's not one that you sip and it's like oh it makes you want to pucker it's like too much it's perfect um very easy drinking really, i think cinnamon really draws out some of the sweetness too in some of our meats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this one's also nice warmed and you can have this in hot apple cider that's my fire pit she's, mm -hmm. she's mentioning all these warm things because it's actually cold and rainy out today so but, uh, but you know but we, we you know not all the meats are like that you can also make uh, a summer drinks so that, that is true that's true <laughs> <laughs> summer will be here eventually right so, so we do tell a, the, a little bit of story about the Vikings on the back of this, mm -hmm. but it's obviously not local history. <laughs> That's right. Unless I guess what? Nova Scotia, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> there, there's thought to be some Nova New, Scotia. Was it Newfoundland, right? There's Lonza yeah, Meadows. I always like bringing this place up and I want to visit because there's the only known remaining Viking settlement in North America up there. And it's like Very a crazy, it's like a crazy trip. You got to like get up there to the top of Nova Scotia, take a ferry over. It's uh, something like that, but yeah, that, there you go. So almost local. And there oh, is a story called the main penny where there is a, uh, a penny that someone found from Europe that's uh, drawn back to the Vikings, but they assume it's probably got here more for trade and not because they were here, but. Oh, that's still cool. Yeah, <laughs> still cool. A little bit of local history in it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So actually, one of our uh, one of our friends, Tate, actually went up there and he brought a bottle of Viking Victory with him and has a picture at the at, at that the, site at that site. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Nice. Yes. It's somewhere on our Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, and now we're going to move to uh, raspberry delight. This is one of our original meads. Uh, straight up raspberry. Um, this is really a little bit before we started getting into the more yeah, historical sure. aspects of it, but we've maintained this name. This is a what we call dangerously delicious mead, and it's dangerous because again, it's a, it's in that sixteen percent range. Uh, a little tart, a little sweet, and goes down real easily. It's like adult fruit juice. This one is uh, uh, fun because it is strong enough on the raspberries, all locally produced, by the way, all locally grown. Um, it's strong enough on the raspberries that you can use it as a, a mixer. You can add some sparkling water or champagne into the into the into it, make a quick cocktail out of it with a little uh, wine juice or something yeah. like that. So. But I like it personally straight up. I don't really need any of it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's fun to play. <laughs> this is definitely, uh, definitely sweet. It's almost like a, you know, like a raspberry jelly uh, in taste. It's just very, very raspberry forward, super sweet, but not, um, you said, yeah, there's tartness to it, but it's not, there's no over sweetness or bitterness to it. It's just real balanced and real tasty. Yeah, yeah. definitely jammy. No, you, you, you hit it. Mm-hmm. And this type of meat really ages very well. If you let this sit around for a year, um, it would keep getting smoother in the bottle. These uh, the styles like the Viking Victory and the, and the little higher alcohol content ones uh, tend to age very well and um, and get better with time. So these meats are going to go bad in the bottle. They'll last for years. Um, fruit ones might last for you know peak at four or five years, but um, some of the other ones, uh, traditional styles, will last for 10, 20 years and keep mellowing out in the bottle just kind of fun fun thing to do mm, that's awesome good. <laughs> why don't we drink this more often oh geez <laughs> <laughs> so we um dan's also been playing with the idea of fortifying these so that's been a whole so education yeah, as well so the video people can see this so we just bottled actually today uh a mead um it was meant to be called uh blueport, blueport but the government wouldn't let me call it that it's uh, <laughs> so it's called top sale which I have some sea, uh, sailor sea captains in my my uh, um, family history, and uh, so this is in honor of them. Um, but it's a fortified or port style mead, meaning that um, we've taken some spirits and added that to a blueberry mead. We just a blueberry mead and made blueberry mead brandy, and then added that into the blueberry mead. So um, so it's about twenty percent alcohol, a little bit more robust. And this one is about a year and a half, two years old. And that, uh, and so it's been aging. And uh, I'm very excited about this meat. It's, uh, it not only looks cool, but it, it tastes awesome. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, so we're releasing that for the birthday on Saturday. Yeah, which uh, this podcast, I think, is coming out after our birthday party, which is the first and second. But uh, yeah. people can still get it at the tasting room. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we'll be up. Uh... We should have samples for that for you guys. <laughs> Tuesday the 4th is when y'all listening. May the 4th be with you. We're just going to miss it. But it's always a party <laughs> here, so. <laughs> well, kind of on that pop culture reference, have you guys watched any Viking TV shows or movies or anything? And what's your favorite <laughs> ones? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we made it through most of the seasons of the, Vi of the Vikings. Viking show, Game uh, of Thrones. And... Um, <laughs> And yeah, so we've done 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 13th all that. Warrior, wasn't the other one? Yeah, 13th yeah. Warrior. Yeah, you have to watch 13th Warrior. There's a reference to uh, 
to, to Mead in that one. So uh, even but, Harry Potter has references to Mead. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So have you watched uh, Last Kingdom on Netflix yet? We haven't. Somebody suggested that we do that. That'll be the next series. That we one's that one's an awesome one. That one's a favorite of mine and my dad. That one's oh nice, really excellent. Good. We'll try yeah. it. Yeah, a customer came in, so like, you gotta watch it. We're like, all right, we'll put it on the list. Yep, very good. It's based on a uh, series of books. I haven't read the books yet. I just watched the Netflix series. Oh, but that's cool. Very uh, very well done. Very good. Excellent. You guys have any other questions about the meat, or are you? Uh, Bianca, you got anything or do you just want to get back to drinking? <laughs> um, well, my, so for anybody who is in the area and is looking to come visit for a tasting, how are your tastings operating now? I know you have that outdoor space as well and you're in a great spot, very central for a lot of people that are at least in the uh, Northeast area here. Um, how, do, how are the tastings looking right now? What are, what are the experiences that people can expect? So, um, so in, in the normal world, we, um, before COVID, we only did tastings in, the, in our little tasting room here, uh, and it was stand-up only. And if you asked or wanted a tour, we'd take you back and show you how the mead's made and whatnot. Of course, that all changed about a year ago. And um, what we ended up doing is um, opening up an outdoor patio, so we converted our three-car parking spot into a, a, a patio with uh, seating outside. Uh, and my wife has uh, spent a lot of time decorating it very nicely with a bunch of old barrels and she uh, brings out the plants and yeah, planters and stuff like that. a nice little garden around. And, um, so we have uh, quite a bit of outdoor seating space. We're pretty small in general, but uh, we, it's usually not difficult to get a, a seat outside. Um, and uh, in, we're just starting to, if people are interested, you know, given, uh, you know, and it's not too crowded, we will give a tour and show you the inside of our our, our two-car garage where all the magic happens. <laughs> but the other thing that's nice is that if people are, uh, if, you know, the weather's like today here uh, in this area, but they can make reservations to have an inside tasting. So we definitely can't house as many people, but we can kind of do two small groups at a time. They reserve and hopefully that will be lifted soon. It sounds like in Massachusetts. Yeah. So you can go out right now on our website or uh, just do a Google search for uh, 1634 metery and uh, you can reserve online, book, book an appointment online for indoor tasting. Perfect. And uh, where can everyone find pictures and everything you meet online and on social media as well? Well, we're, 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 we're in all those we're, things. We're trying all of them. <laughs> Deb is the uh, uh, Facebook queen. And uh, I do Instagram and of course, Twitter. And Twitter. Um, so, yeah, so all the, all the major players except I don't know what we're probably not in some of them, but not <laughs> we're not in Snapchat. Does that even exist? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, we try to keep up to date. We always uh, post when the new meads come out and uh, that type of thing, as well as uh, activities like our anniversary uh, discounts we're having. Um, and um, they can sign up for the newsletter. And we have a newsletter that you can sign up for as well. We, we can try to put every, it out for every four times a year, but. Yeah, and so what's going on? Maybe three. <laughs> we won't. We won't stack your email you know, inbox. <laughs> and for and for those pat people passionate about me, we do have a meat clan, which is uh, our 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 wine club, if you will. But we call it a meat clan, where you uh, can get discounts and uh, free tastings and stuff like that. So if you if you drink you know more than twelve bottles a year, then we recommend joining the meat clan. <laughs> Love it. Never have to drink alone. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you have to wear a Viking hat every time you come into the eatery. I'd have to pick one up, but I'm fully on board. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that gives me, that gives me an excuse to go buy a Viking helmet or something. (laughs) There you go. I love it. (laughs) But we, but we do have fun, and uh, and certainly it's been a a quick six years, but we uh, we we've learned a lot and taught a lot of people about mead. So yeah, and we're and we're very thankful for people's support. So not only the other local businesses, the town, you know, the town government here, and also just all the mead fans that we're getting um, actually worldwide actually. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. And it's, it certainly doesn't surprise me because I enjoyed all of these. I know uh, Nick and I have definitely become much more of mead fans since we uh, started tasting them. It's, it's impressive what you do. There's so many different varieties, so many flavors, uh, so much for you to play around with. And I think it's exciting to see new stuff coming out. So we'll have to stop in for a formal tasting at some point. Wow. I'll try some new stuff. And yeah, we're, we're excited to see what you continue to roll out. <laughs> yeah, come by and yeah, you got to try some of the top sale. We're, uh, I'm, I'm, this is my favorite mead so far. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. So we'll get there. We'll get some. Don't worry. We will. And it's a very cool bottle, which again, I'm all about that. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Oh, and we do, just if people are listening, um, if they are local, they can bring the bottles back. We do recycle them. We put them back into service. Yes. Good. And for, so anybody who's picking up or wants to order, I know you ship, but can anybody who's in the area buy them in store or do you have them only for sale at the meadery? So we're in uh, up to 150 locations, I believe. Um, we self-distribute, meaning that... Uh, we have a uh, Max. Or, <laughs> I used to do it myself, but I, I, I now have an employee that does it. Thank goodness. Thank, thank you, Max. Yes, Appreciate thank it. you. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're uh, scattered uh, throughout Boston. Uh, our furthest south we go is Norfolk, Mass, and uh, uh, north up to um, uh, Newburyport, so up to the border. Um, and uh, you know, mostly concentrated, uh, you know, within an hour and a half drive of Ipswich. So. But uh, yeah, so um, you can find the list of the places that were distributed on our website and the little map will pop up and hopefully there'll be a, a place near you if you want to give the meat a try. But if there's not a place, let us know and we'll harass them. <laughs> we're, we're always looking for new, new spots to put our meat. So uh, yeah, so uh, any place that wants to meet, we, we like to hear about, so. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we look forward to seeing everything else that you come out with and to trying some of your other flavors. I know there's so many for us to check out at, at different times. Um, everyone that's listening, we'll put the links to your social media and your website in the show notes. So you can check that out for yourselves. And we will certainly be sharing as we try all of these. And we did do a little quick real tour of your space. So if anybody is curious what it looks like, that's up on Instagram. <laughs> well thank you guys very much for having us we're, we're excited to talk to you yeah thank fun. you for coming on we had a lot of fun cheers cheers, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> be sure to follow us on social at uncorked corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content and if you enjoyed the show don't forget to leave a comment subscribe rate and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer thanks for listening thanks.